0: .NET ROCKS Episode 869 with guest Pablo Santos. Recorded live Friday, April 19th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support, and by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePAK.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app. Available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and
1: Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks, your friendly neighborhood .NET developer show. That's I a, like that. Yeah, you like that? Maybe yeah. I'll make that the the intro for now. How are you doing,
0: Richard? I'm real, I'm real good. I'm gearing up for us traveling together again, you know, speaking at conferences and stuff. It's a busy spring. We are going to have such a good time in Louisville. Oh, for sure. I mean, I suspect this shows out after we're already back from Louisville, but... That's fine, you know. That's the way those things go. Sometimes time shifting's a good fun. Time shifting, yeah, yeah. But also uh, at Tech Ed, I've got the. I'm starting to pull together Speaker Idol, so that's happening. Do you have all the
1: contestants you need?
0: Not yet, but I've got a pretty good list, so we'll we'll put it together. And there's lots of folks that ping me to say, "Hey, I'd like to be in Speaker Idol again next year."
1: So you have plenty to choose from, you know, oh, for sure. This isn't a call out for a, a request for proposals here.
0: No, I i I'd probably probably fine. But if you really think. If you're going to be at TechEd, and you've never spoken at TechEd, and you think you should be speaking at TechEd, you know how to find us. Yep. Just let me know. Absolutely. You know, we always try and fit in a wild card or two, right? Yeah. All uh, right. Also, Norwegian Developers Conference.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. NDC. We're going to have a lot of fun there. That's in June. And uh, ndcoslo.com. We we always have a booth right on the floor. Yep. The, the, uh, fi- the, the fishbowl. Yep. The fishbowl. So much fun. It's awesome. Yep.
0: So, yeah, I, I love our springs. We have a good time in spring. Yep. Awesome. All right.
1: Better Know Framework. All right, buddy. What do you got? All right. So, this isn't just a tool, this is a story. Ah. So, I have been putting together this remote controlled uh, three camera shoot setup. Indeed. I helped you with that the other day when I was in New London with you. The idea is that one guy should be me, should be able to. Go out and with three video cameras on tripods located around a venue, to uh, to do a three-camera shoot with zooming and panning, and all of that camera control remotely, either mm-hmm. with RF or uh, it, it's looking like we're going to go with a wired solution just for uh, so there's no interference. Reliability above. sake, yeah. But it calls for programmatic control of IR-based remotes. Sure. Because these—that's how these things work. The camera has a remote, and the the pan tilt head has a remote. And if I have uh, you know extenders for all of those things, that's six freaking remotes—one for each camera, one for each pan tilt head. So obviously that's not going to work. I need a programmable solution. So I found a couple of IR devices. The uh, I had an old um, you know media center IR device. Yeah. That didn't even work. I don't know if it was just busted or what, but I got a couple of IR devices and I went out looking for, you know, software to control it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. These do not install as HID devices, human interface devices. And, um, uh, so, so you basically left with USB. So I went looking for the latest version of, you know, I think there was a USB sharp lib out there that I used in the past and that one is, has, I've all been but abandoned. I'm. It's just not working for me. Another dead project. So I found one. What you find? This one is actually really cool. It's libusbnet. It's a .NET C Sharp USB library for WinUSB. Also works with USB win 32 and libusb1.0. Those are Win32 DLLs that uh, that you can access. Um, right. So this is a wrapper around that. Also with WinUSB, which is another standard. So, if you go to tinyurl.com slash libusbnet, you will see this uh, SourceForge project. Nice. Uh, and it's great. It, using the common device classes, applications work with all operating systems and drivers without modification. Lots of example code. There's a help file. Remember help files? Yeah. Yeah. Help file with, with code that you can put in there. I had a hell of a time registering because you do have to sort of register... Your libraries, your drivers, uh, and I had a hard time doing that, but I have a feeling that if I do it on another machine and start over, do it the right way, that it'll work just fine. And this is an
0: active live SourceForge pro I've been on SourceForge in a while. It's nice to see a project that's completely active. Absolutely. Uh, you know, worked on just last month kind of thing. Absolutely. So cool. this
1: is good. I'm looking forward to using it. Uh, so you're lib- going
0: to use this USB driver to
1: co- to control the IR remotes? That's exactly it. So I'm going to build a little box, right? And I'm going to get six of these things. These uh, sort of um, they're they're just like forty dollar IR transmitter receivers. They're little USB things, and uh, you know I'll get a little USB hub, and I'm going to build a box so that each one of them has their, its own compartment, so that there's no crosstalk. And I'll just have the uh, the transmitters uh, talking directly to the the extenders, and then those will go by cable, probably. To uh, you know, tape a little IR thing right on the camera and right on the head, where the uh, IR receiver is. Cool. And then I can write code to send the right codes. <laughs> right code nice. to send the right code. You like see what I did there? Oh, you're very clever. Yeah. So that's that's the idea. It's a fun project, and if it works, uh, it's going to be pretty fantastic.
0: Well, and in the meantime, it's like, hey, if you were thinking about controlling USB, here's this great library. Built right. for
1: C-sharp folks. Yeah, and they're like I said, we've done these before, but it seems like this one is really, really well supported. Awesome. Yep. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's
0: talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 862, and that's the one we did on Glimpse with have, Anthony and Nick, if you recall. There have been so many great comments about Glimpse. And lots of stuff in the Twitters as well, because yeah, Glimpse clearly is resonating with folks, but you're going to love this story. This is from Chris Mewson, and he says, thank you for your show on Glimpse. I was listening to the podcast on my drive up to school yesterday. Class Mm -hmm. was boring. So I installed Glimpse on an MVC3 work project and was amazed at how simple it was to get it up and running and the amount of useful data presented in it. I will absolutely use this at work in development, just not sure about production yet. The only thing I found lacking was the ability to view ADFS, that's Active Directory Federation Services, claims data in Glimpse. Mm-hmm. So I posted a question on Stack Overflow. About an hour later, Nick Molnar replied, saying it wasn't supported out of the box but pointed me to the documentation. Today, I wrote a plugin, and Nick incorporated it into Glimpse's <laughs> extension gallery – glimpse.claims inspector so now i can view all of the microsoft.identity.claims that get shipped across my sts on the client without looking through a saml assertion in hdb fox i hope that someone else can find this extension useful thanks again for the great show and for shedding some light on a truly useful tool for anyone doing web development in net wow tell me that's not awesome that is awesome so I love the idea that, you know, Chris found, uh, found a tool he liked and then found something he didn't do and then worked with the guys to let everybody else benefit from his need as well. Yeah. So that's totally cool. So Chris, thank you. Awesome story. And a net rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a net rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at dot net Rocks.com or via our phenomenal net rocks mobile apps for iphone android and winfoam built by our good friends at diatom enterprises oh yeah and uh, you can write comments there as well and
1: they're all part of the same comments engine absolutely man. before we go any further i need to tell you that plural provides comprehensive developer training online they have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by mvps and industry experts They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much everything on the Microsoft stack, including complete coverage of ALM with Visual Studio 2012 and TFS. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce our guest. Pablo Santos is one of Codicea Software's co-founders, together with David Suarez. Pablo started up Codicea back in 2005, and since then has been deeply involved in the design and development of Plastic SCM. He's a frequent blogger and speaker, and an associate professor at the University of Burgos in Spain. Prior to Codicea, he worked as an SCM consultant as an ERP software development manager, he developed digital TV at Sony and GPS-based tracking software at GMV. When not coding, writing, or teaching, you'll find him riding bikes both on track and long roads. Welcome, Pablo. Hello. It's great to have you on the show. Tell us, recent, uh, tell us briefly about, um, about uh, Plastic SCM. Give us the elevator pitch.
2: Okay. Well, Plastic SCM is a distributed version control system. It's fully graphical and it's extremely good with, uh, branching and merging. These are the three things we try to, to do really great, right? To do, to do really great, right? And, and, and one of the things we focus on is the graphics. Since we are basically a .NET development shop ourselves, we yeah. try to be, to make it as easy as possible for .NET developers. In fact, Plastic SCM is, you know, written in C plus, in C sharp, sorry. And, uh, and well, we we, we can run in other operating systems using the mono project and so on.
1: That's a little bit about it. Ah, very good. And so, uh, when did you start working on this?
2: We started back in in two thousand and five. We had the idea to to do something that was you know easier to use than the the, the big tools we see on on the market, like you know the, the clear cases and, and really big products, and you know much more powerful than the let's say, the open source uh, tools that were available by by that time, right? Then we basically joined the DBCS revolution that happened with Git. We are our DBCS ourselves. And since then, I mean, we released the first version back in 2006. Actually, we did it in TechEd Developers in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, since then, we just never actually stopped evolving
1: the product. So uh, now this is a commercial product, right? But you also have a free version, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we we made it free
2: for all the teams that are smaller than fifteen developers. Which oh, basically nice. is like free for ninety percent of the development the development teams in the world,
1: right? And right. that's basically what we do. Absolutely. Wow, that's great. So, tell us about the uh, the GitSync.
2: Okay, that's a very nice uh, feature we just released. Right. Uh, the thing is that. Well, Plasticus is a very powerful DBCS. It's is very good in the graphical uh, in you know from the graphical point of view. But we wanted to make it more well, easier to interrupt with other systems. And you know, the biggest D V C S out there right now in terms of number of developers is Git, right? So what mm. we did is to make Plasticus speak that the Git network protocol. So it's not like a layer on top, it's not just like a you know, some sort of wrapper or anything, it's just that the Plastic SCM server is able to speak the Git network protocol and then push and pull changes to a remote mm-hmm. Git server. Well, what's the advantage with, with this? Well, the point is you can use Plastic SCM as your client and contribute to projects in GitHub or CodePlex or wherever they are.
1: So not only uh, GitHub, like you said, but CodePlex and also Bitbucket, I guess, is supported? Exactly. Anything speaking the Git network protocol,
2: whether yeah. it's oh, HTTPS or the Git uh, native protocol is supported, and uh, what's the TFS story? Okay, we also integrate with TFS. It's also that's not part of Git Sync, but it's part of what we call TFS Sync, and uh, the integration is a little bit different because with Git we have full interop with all the branches and so on. Because at the end of the day, while they are completely different products, the internals uh, of Git and Plastic are somehow similar in terms of the concepts they they handle, right? After that, Mm -hmm. they are completely different. Mm -hmm. With with TFS, a little bit more different, so we just keep in sync a single branch. But we have several customers that are, you know, they have a big uh, TFS repository, and then they have smaller teams using Plastic and contributing back and forth to TFS.
0: Maybe there's a philosophical conversation to have here about how you handle branching and merging, what do you see as the normal cadence for most small development teams in terms of do you, how long do you branch for or do you try and stay on the main trunk? What, what do you see out there, Pablo?
2: Okay, this is a very good story, right? Because when we started back, well, when we first hit the market in 2006, right? People used to be afraid of branching because basically because of, because of merging, right? But they were afraid of branching. The thing is that now they are getting more and more familiar. At the beginning, when we started talking about, you know, we are very good at branching, people tended to say, well, but that's a little bit scary and so on. Now, people come to us saying, look, I need to do more branching, I need to do faster branching, so I need a different project, uh, a different project. What teams are doing out there, well, the, the market actually changes, right? The way in which we are developing software is always evolving. And the thing is that right now we see more and more people doing Short-lived branches, very short-lived, even just a few hours. Mm-hmm. Lo- big number of branches, and they tend to do what we call task branching, right? So they, for every issue in their issue tracker, whatever it is, they just create a short branch, they work on it, they do more than a single check-in per task, let's say. So the nice story here is that developers don't use, or they don't they tend not to use, the version control just as a delivery mechanism they are using plastic but they 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 tend to use it actually as a productivity tool you do a check-in you do a checkpoint and you can diff and you have your long history of changes and that's very good
1: so what would you say is the the killer feature okay
2: I think there are three things we are very good at right the first one is basically the very strong merging engine we have it's able to cope with scenarios that are simply out of the out of the scope of many other sems like you try to do something like, you know, you move a fra- in your in sorry, you move a file in your branch because you want to, you know, just give a different name. You're doing a refactor, right? You're clean up code. So you go and move a file to a different directory. Mm-hmm. And then someone else modifies the same file and moves it to a, even a different directory, right? So you have what we call a divergent move. Well, we can handle that. And there are there's no other SCN doing that. We have a full list of, of branches. So branching emerges a core feature. And then the second thing for me is visualization. We have something called the branch explorer, which basically lets you browse all the branches you have in your repository, merge from there, diff from there, replicate from there. So it's like a very powerful visual.
0: And it strikes me that this sort of change in behavior you've been talking about, about the tendency to, to branch for task, really depends on that we've had, we have great merging tools now that you, you're no longer afraid to branch because you can get back. Absolutely.
2: I mean, it's all about merging. And in fact, we are being really busy the last week because we've been releasing the sync stuff. We have, and we are also uh, doing some, you know, telling people about what we call our merge engine. We have a, a really strong new feature out this week, which is called Semantic Merge, right? So we release it for C Sharp, for .NET developers. And it's basically a merge tool that is able to Understand the code. And by understand, I mean what every developer always had in mind. We parse the code, the code first, then we merge based on the structure and not just on, you know, the file, The, the sorry, the, the text itself, right? So what semantic merge is able to do is, you know, it handles on a method per method basis or a property per property basis. So it doesn't care whether you just refactor the whole thing, you just sort the, the the class in different way, it will be able to find its way and merge it even automatically or help you.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the ultimate, the ultimate goal to me is two teams branch, modify the same set of methods, two teams merge back to the trunk, and you're actually able to figure out that these two sets of changes did not collide, that they could be combined. Exactly. Is that, I mean, is that even possible?
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what this new tool does. And and the good news here is that we are making it available for any version control system out there, right? So you can use it with TFS, you can use it with Subversion, of course you can use it with Plastic. The thing is that you can do things like, you know, suppose you have a a class and then you extract a method to a different class and then in the original file, another developer modified that method. It's able to merge that. right? It's something it can do. So far, we do it only for C Sharp. We'll be releasing uh visual basic.net very soon. And now we are doing it just on a per file basis, which means the moves must be local to the file. But the next step during the next months, I mean we are still working on that will be to do it even between files.
1: I mean does, does the merge work with like your classic sort of diff where you have you know one version on one side of the screen, the other version on the other side? Uh does it go deeper than that? What's uh, what's great about so the merging? We-
2: Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? Because the thing is that it first parses the, the code of the three contributors, actually the base and the two contributors, right? So how it was, what you did, what I did. So we will parse the three files and then we will file the differences based on that, right? So the only thing that is going to be, let's say, conventional or something we are, we're, we're used to is that if you have to diff a method or you have to diff a property or something like that, it will use a text file. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's a completely new approach to merging because of, you know, it's 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 actually what you need to be able to deal with this kind of scenarios. Mm -hmm. What is extremely exciting for for us is that, you know, it's not only good with how you are doing the things today. The key about semantic merge is how you are going to be able to do software with that tool because... You know, sometimes every developer faces that situation. Okay, there's this file. It's, you have this file is not clean or you now prefer to do, you know, to put methods for listening depending on, you know, public first, then protected, then, uh, then private, and so on, right? You find a file that is not following that convention that all the team likes, then you don't really change it because someone else might be changing that file too and then you just prefer to wait. So now you can do it because it's completely safe to do that.
0: Yeah, that, that's the whole thing to me for a, my general reflex, even today is somebody else has got that file checked out. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to try and figure that out. <laughs> but, and I, I guess it brings me to a question, which is, okay, given that your semantic solution doesn't solve everything, what does it really look like to go through and try and, and sort this out yourself?
2: Okay, you mean uh, trying the tool or, or trying to do it manually?
0: Uh, in the tool, I know how often it is manually. Tell me how how the tool helps me see these differences.
2: Okay, the thing is instead of you know if you if we completely change the file, I mean not completely, just rearrange the methods inside the file on different ways. If you try to do to diff it with a conventional tool, it's going to be hell, right Because basically nothing is matching with from, from one side to the other so yeah. you, you see it right. What, what the semantic merge is going to, to show is the following. It's going to tell you, okay, look, this method and this method have been modified. It doesn't really matter where they are. It's going to tell you, okay, they have been moved and modified, but then you will have a button saying, well, you have a button, actually, because it's, it's already out, right? But you have a button where you can click and this, this particular method, even if it was the first on one contributor and the last on the other one, right? It actually figured it out, it's the same method is being moved and lets you go method by method or property by property or, you know, constructor or class by class or whatever. If if they collide, I mean, otherwise, you don't, I mean, they don't show up as differences if they are not different, of course.
0: Right. But, you know, and you're right. You're eventually going to hit a point where you said, these two different developers working separately have modified the same line of code in a different way that means a different thing, which is what I really get from your Semantic interpretation is you they could have two different changes that actually mean the same thing and you'd figure that out, but the okay, fact that they that, mean something different now you're gonna have to show this to me and say, Okay, which one do you like better? Absolutely,
2: and that's that's a very important point. The thing is that semantic merge stops at the method level, so we don't do the semantic merge on a line per line base. I mean, we don't semantic merge if ifs or whiles or force or something like that, right? We sure. stop at the value. And then, if you have a conflict in the in the body of the method, we are going to show you a conventional text-based tool for the method. Right. right. Which, actually, I think it's it's fair enough, because otherwise you enter in a really, really complex set of algorithms trying to figure out whether it's the same thing or not. That's out of the scope of this tool so far, right? So we stop at the method level. When I say method, you know, I say property and so on too, right? And the thing is that by doing that, we stop. We already simplify the whole thing a lot, uh, uh, a lot, but we don't enter into a almost impossible-to-solve uh, complexity, right? And that's basically how it is.
1: It's cool. So uh, according to Gartner's hype cycle for application development 2012 report, distributed versioning is at sort of the height of its maturity lifecycle. Now, I, I know that's for uh, software, but I see so many uh, applications for for DVCS that go beyond software. Are you finding that your customers are using it for other things?
2: Okay, that's that's a very interesting thing, right? The, the there's one point here that is very important. is we used to to perceive version control just as a commodity, I would say six years ago or so, or maybe seven years ago, right? Now it's actually a differentiator. Now it's something that if you have a DVCS, normally you are it's because you are trying to you know improve things and you are getting the best out of it. Mm-hmm. that's just concerning to the development side uh, uh, regarding to having DVCS and other areas, well it's something that we didn't move into yet I mean we see the potential but uh, we didn't step into that yet, right, we are fully focused on, on the development side you know, we are a small team and just trying to do the best with Plastic SCN, now with Semantic Merge tool, it's already a daunting task for us, right, mm-hmm. so we envision there will be a path there, uh, trying to bring you know, this sort of distributed technology in version control for.
1: I mean, we're in a Google content even, world, it? right? It's it's not just uh it's not just code, you know, that that needs version versioning control. Uh, we struggle with that in all kinds of digital content and have various sort of homegrown ways that we uh, handle versions of things. Um, but uh, so, uh, I,
0: so I saw you know not to be sorry to interrupt you carl but like you and i battled over this ourselves on the website just keeping track of images absolutely and are these you know i what's more frustrating i have four copies of the same image but i just don't know that yeah absolutely
2: the challenge that we as i mean companies doing version control like we are doing the the real challenge we have there is actually to be able to make it really usable because it's really different to you know, develop, to, to target developers and to target the, the general public out there, right? That there's a home user or a, uh, a corporate user. So it's a, a completely different sort of uh, interfaces that you have to develop. You have to make it much easier and so on. While a developer normally wants the power too, right? So it's it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy task, but it's obviously a path to work.
1: Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Ah, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to uh, come up with a joke that goes right here. (laughs) (laughs) And I ain't got nothing today. Nothing! It's time to announce a winner of the DevCraft Complete Collection from Telerik, everything they do in one box, to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before we do that, let me tell you about Telerik's agile project management solution, TeamPulse. TeamPulse comes with a rich set of features for data intelligence, capturing of stakeholder feedback and complete tracking of work items. Team Pulse can easily be added on top of any TFS environment, including versions 2008, 2010, and 2012. The tool even comes with a TFS wizard that will allow non-techie users to set the whole thing up in seconds. If you want to improve the way you work, try Telerik Team Pulse now at bit.ly slash team for TFS, or just go to telerik.com and click on Team Pulse. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks all these years. So who's our winner, buddy? Our winner today is Vladimir Kasal. Ah, congratulations, Vladimir. Golf clap for Golf you, Golf clap for Vladimir. He uh, he wins that uh, DevCraft Complete Collection. We give one away every show. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, and uh, answer a few questions, and you could win every show. We also give away... Uh, $5,000 worth of technology once a year in December. Last year, uh, we gave away this great machine. You probably heard us talking about it to, uh, to a lucky member of the fan club, but you can only win if you join. So we have thousands of members do it now. And we'd like to ask our guests, Pablo, if somebody handed you a $5,000 check and said you have to buy technology with it, what would you buy?
2: Well, there are... A variety of tools out there, right? Actually, the ones you mentioned uh, so far are, are good, right? So, I, I really like, and, and in fact, we use sometimes the teleric tools too, right? So,
1: Well, like I, do, I don't mean necessarily software technology. I mean technology, toys, gadgets, maybe <laughs> hardware. Maybe okay. not related to software.
2: Okay. Well, you I, know, I suspect
0: I'm, he'd buy a bike. In say, second. <laughs> uh, a Are you a mountain biker, Pablo?
2: Yeah, I love bikes, right? I I, I love all, all type of bikes. In fact, last time I've been to, to San Francisco, we, we did a trip on, on Harley-Davidson. Here in Spain, I have a Kawasaki bike.
0: Ah, okay. Like. Not bicycle, motorcycle.
2: Motorcycles, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, would you buy a, a carbon fiber frame kind of uh, racing bike? Something like that would be awesome. Uh, a Ducati, and, perhaps.
2: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah,
1: a, a little over five grand. Well, you know, you
0: can put a deposit on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the last time I looked at a Ducati nine nine six, it was thirty thousand bucks. Yeah, it's a nice bike, though. But for thirty grand, it ought to be.
2: That's a classic already, right? Richard's
0: uh, an awesome machine. Yeah, Richard, did you get your Tesla Model S yet? I, you know, I got another year and a half to go on my car on the lease. And, uh, so no, I haven't done it yet, but I took a ride in one just the other day. A buddy of mine here in town got one, has one. So we went for, he's also got the Roadster. And, cause he's that kind of guy. And what do you think about the Model S? It's extraordinary. It truly is an extraordinary car. Really? Yeah. Nicest car you've ever driven? Pre- I don't know. I've driven, you know, it turns out when you spend $600,000 on a car, you get a pretty nice car. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've I've ridden in some outrageous cars. I've not owned outrageous cars, but I have ridden in several models of Lamborghinis, Ferraris, various Rolls. We've all ridden in Lino's cars, yeah. Uh, I, the the six hundred thousand dollar one would have been the uh, the Porsche GT, which is basically a race car. Yeah, and while awesome, utterly terrifying. Like just <laughs> I, yeah, cars that scare the crap out of you. But you know,
1: mm.
0: but the S was a car I would own. Yeah, I, I clearly found the one of, okay, this is amazing. We should have more cars like this. Awesome. But hey, let's get back to work. Pablo, let me throw a tough question at you here. You know, I appreciate that DVCS is clearly matured. You know, that sort of thing has worked. What I'm seeing is the big challenge today is real multi-platform support. When I think about a project now, I've got a, a back-end that's written in uh, ASP.NET or WCF or Rails. Uh, I've got... Phone based clients that are written in Objective C and Java, uh, and you know, maybe there's some, even a Silverlight client out there still. Like there's all these different platforms that one app runs on there, and I'm trying to do real version control so that everybody's version two means the same thing. And I don't see an easy way to take care of that. Are you tackling this problem, or do you see it as a big issue coming forward? It is actually, and this is what one of the of the points where we
2: are strong at, right? That's one of the big opportunities we get is when the team actually is when the teams are actually working together on different platforms. Uh, the challenge there is that, of course, first thing you need a multi-platform uh, tool, right? In, in your own technology sh- should run on Linux, on Mac, on Windows, all that because the user, the developers, will be on, on on different systems, right? We saw. I said at the beginning that we are a .NET shop, right? So how we do that? Well, we use a Mono project, right? Um, basically, we use .NET on Windows, then we use Mono for, for Linux and the Mac. And we got, I mean, we've been using that for already quite a long time, several years. Um, we still see C, C Sharp and, and the .NET combined with Mono as a very strong uh, contender there. I mean, it's, a, it's an option to, to do it, and it's, it's very strong. Uh, from a technical point of view of, you know, from the, SCM point of view, the thing is that you have to cope with the differences and the, and the different things you have on the different systems, right? Like, for instance, uh, handling things like uh, SIM links on, on, on Linux that are handled differently on Windows now, or things like, uh, you know, uh, the, the protections on the files, all the ch mode stuff on Linux, and you don't have that on Windows. Handling all this, all, all the stuff, also the case sensitivity. and and all this, right? So, at the end of the day, at the source control level, it doesn't really matter that that much whether you're doing, you know, telephone software or you're doing a video game, right? What it really matters is, okay, at the end of the day, there are files, how many they are, how big they are, whether you have to deal with huge binaries, and we have some customers doing crazy things with even one terabyte files and stuff like that. So, these are the things that are a real challenge
0: right well and, and i've also got to think that i certain maybe it's just studio folks studio folks expect to see plastic show up in studio as an integration point i just wonder if eclipse folks expect that or the xcode folks expect that as well and do you tackle that do you find a way to integrate with all these different development environments
2: yeah absolutely i mean uh, it there are so many types of users out there that they all expect different things, right? And that's that's a challenge. The thing is, we have a Plastic SCM completely integrated into Visual Studio. In fact, it's our primary IDE. Sure. Everything you see on, there, on the independent Plastic SCM client, you have it inside Visual Studio, the branch explorer, all the graphics, the branches, everything, right? You can do everything from there, even the merge and so on. The Eclipse users they also kind of spec the same thing, right? So they really like to like to live inside the Eclipse environment. So we also have uh, the full integration there, which is a challenge in terms of development because at this point, I mean, we share the same code for the, vis- the, the Explorer shell extension, the plastic GUI, and the Visual Studio plugin, right? All the core code is the same. All the GUI and so on is the mm-hmm. same. But you have to develop... Another one in Java for the Eclipse uh, platform, right? And that's that's of course a challenge. That's uh, a lot of work, but it pays off because at the end of the day, you need to have what the user expects. It is almost the same with, um, exactly the same with in macOS, right? In when we work in macOS right now, we have we don't have a native integration. I mean, we have something based on Mono that runs on top of X Window, which is not truly native and one of the challenges we have for for this year is actually working on you know on a native interface still it will be done in c sharp we will be using something like Xamarin studio or or so but uh, the point is you really need to respect the look and feel
0: sure yeah for sure and well i also think uh, you know traditional iphone developers and it's a huge platform are using macs and using the Apple tools, and they still want to be able to be part of the same source control solution. Absolutely,
2: and that's that's the thing, right? And in the last year, we've sh- we've seen a, a shift in what developers are using. For example, okay, Windows is still huge; it's our primary platform. And but we've seen a huge from both Linux and even Solaris and things like that moving towards. I mean, mo- moving to Mac OS. Mm. and uh, there, you know. That's why we are putting a lot of effort on that. It's, it's something we've been working on this year and trying to come up with a fully native uh, interface there. Right, it's, it's what developers expect. Still, our primary environment, especially for from the from the client point of view, is uh, is Windows. Although our, our 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 service can run both on Windows and Linux and Mac and so on, but our primary environment is still Windows because it's where the biggest. Uh, ecosystem of developers using our technology is.
0: So, Carl.
1: Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread, but now, of course, it's component1spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1.
0: Smarter Components for Smarter Developers. Uh, Let me turn this conversation around a little bit too because it's something we're running into with the Humanitarian Toolbox, which is a charity effort to build source, uh, to build applications for uh, disaster relief. Mm -hmm. And so we're having, uh, again, iPhone developers who are checking their pieces of source strictly into GitHub and not using any other source control per se. They're still contributing, they're just contributing in a different way. Is there a way I could use plastic to deal with the uh I've got some of my code that lives in Codeplex, some of my code that lives in GitHub, and perhaps some of it lives in TFS for an overall project that represents multiple platforms. Okay.
2: That's a good point. Actually, this is one of the things we have been trying to achieve with the latest developments like, you know, uh Git GitSync and all that, right? The thing is that you can pull to plastic SCM from different sources.
1: In the same project, yeah.
2: Exactly, and that, uh, that, that's basically what we try to, to achieve with all that. Th- this is actually one of the, of the big challenges because uh, you tend to see more projects using code from different places that are all under different version controls. That's the reason why all this sync initiative happened here at Codeify right? Because we see that in order to, I mean, especially if you deal with big teams or medium teams, they don't shift the SCN like on a daily basis, of course. It takes it takes a lot because you know it's something that that lies really deep into the tool chain. And uh, then the easiest you make to cooperate with other tools, the better. And I don't see any more I mean there are many teams using just one standardized tool. But I see I think we are going to see several tools having to live together to cooperate to, to make part of the same ecosystem.
1: True. It's a polyglot world we're just living in it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
0: Well, and it I mean in the end this is still just about managing files, right? Like it, I mean the the UI integrations are nice, but deep down you could just Go down and work with files. Do you have like a web-based interface or something for somebody who's? I think Carl, you even touched on this. I don't. I'm not trying to build an app. I'm just trying to manage some word documents. Can I use this for source control for that?
1: Or MP3 files, or wave files, or video files, or digital content? Uh, Carl, I know where you're going, projects. Mr. Frank. This is I mean, clearly a
0: problem you have.
1: Well, you know, I'm just digital content in general. Is content has versions, and you need to keep track of all that stuff. Yeah, uh, you look. know, I wonder if this is a tool that is going to spill over into other industries. If it already hasn't, maybe it has.
2: Look, one of the things where we are getting uh, some traction is in the game development industry. And there you face immediately, in any project you, you enter, you face this challenge, which is you have developer. Actually, you have three roles, but I, I will just uh, focus on two, right? You have developers and you have artists. So developers is basically what we are used to you know branches code and more code and refactors and all that that's fine and then you get the artists and they handle huge files they they have things like you know images and all that they want to browse the files looking at the at the at the images they want to see the sort so the history of one file with thumbnails something a coder will never do right but they want to see the thumbnails they don't want to diff them so mm-hmm. we develop some diff tools for images and and so on and even let them develop their own I mean not the artists but the, the tools groups inside the, the game studio develop them their own uh, diff tools for 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 the types of uh, private images and so on and one of the challenges there is that to, you have to cope with huge files really huge files so one of the things that Plastic SVN does from the very beginning, and with all that in mind, is to split files in chunks before they they are sent to the server, right? So we never blow it up in terms of memory or something like that because we don't load the entire file in memory. That can sound, you know, obvious, mm-hmm. but actually, some version control systems have issues with big files because of that.
0: Right. Well, and, and you know, I just you reminded me of a product that I used during the Strange Loop days, which was Tortoise SVN. Yep. And then what I liked about Tortoise SVN was it had integrations into the Windows shell so that, you you know, any file, you know, you're just working in the file system. And you're able to check in, check out. It really ended up combining its, you know, really distributed file control. So it was almost like Dropbox-like that everybody had stuff synchronized. And then at the same time, we also had this nice history, and it, we were using it for, the graphical resources of Strange Loop, our logos and press releases and all those sorts of things so that we kept the chronology right. You knew you were using the latest stuff. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen an equivalent. Not that Subversion is all that fun to use, but I've never seen an equivalent in that kind of file-level integration.
2: Well, we have developed a shell extension, which is basically what Tortoise SVN is. Yes. Provided with your standard installer of of plastic SCM. So depending on what's your favorite way of doing things, you can, you know, we already mentioned you have the GUI, you have the Visual Studio integration, Eclipse, whatever, but we also have it at the Explorer level. So you can just right-click on a file and do a check-in from there or show the Branch Explorer from there or do a merge from there or just, you know, show the history of a file from there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very, very useful.
0: Yeah, it's really it, when you get back to really source control beyond source code into media files and 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 resource files for games and documentation and all of these things like shouldn't it all be source controlled?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Once you, I mean, the point here is that well, of course we are not a typical example because we are doing the the source control ourselves, right? But we tend to put everything under version control. It's like if if it's not under version control, you feel like you are naked or something. So we put the Word documents there. We put the images there. We put videos there. I mean, the marketing files are there. So, well, but you know, maybe we are kind of uh, crazy with it, but everything is versioned.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, and I'm starting to feel like it's not crazy. Like, that was a, that's a good way to work, that you actually know who modified what and when they modified it and why they modified it and what the real latest versions of everything are.
2: Absolutely. And then you avoid the the, the files called, you know, uh, version one one good review it this is the one or something like that, which we always at that point on, on our lives, did.
0: Well I'm getting pretty close personally to the point where file attachments in email are just evil. Yeah. Yep. Don't no more attachments, yep. just links. Links to the repository. Yeah. yeah. See what you mean, because then
2: you you get this, you know, this typical file that it's okay, this is the release notes reviewed by David or by Pablo or by right. whoever, right? And then you put it on the on the directory and then you have to do something with it. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Or,
0: you, or you start doing source control in the file name. That's bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, whenever I have I get a chance to, to talk to students, the first day I, I introduce uh, version control to them, uh, it's always the same joke, which is, okay, you always have a file which is version 1.6, then you have version 1.6, dot good dot c then this is the real one good then and it goes on goes on and yeah that's that's fine 1.6a
0: 1.6a yeah. underscore carl <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> well you know we we do that with file names i mean we we granted we don't we don't have a lot of versions of files but when i record a file for a show you know we have uh we we name them according to the show you know number N- name and number and we upload those so that the editors can download them and you know but we don't we don't really need file versioning for that for those raw files because they're just oh they only need to be identified once and then, well and
0: they are unique right i mean the, unique. the challenge for us is four or five files per show that all have to work together right right that is an interesting challenge yeah yeah so uh Pablo, what's coming next for Plastic SCM? We, you know, do you have a roadmap laid out?
2: Of course. I mean, it's something you always have to, I mean, even when you don't follow it, right? But you need to have it. So, the thing is, uh, the next thing we're going to have. Well, right now we are focused on two things. We want to to, to make Git Sync even stronger. We want to to put TFS Sync at the same level as as Git Sync is with all, uh, you know, all the the same sort of uh, Really cool integration we have there. Extended to Subversion too, And then we are working on something which is going to have Plastic SCM on the cloud, which is, uh, you know, something that, is, that several customers are, are asking for, especially small teams, because big ones tend to have their own server, and that's not an issue, right? But right. if they are small, even if they are distributed, they want to have like a central place where they can share the code and so on. That's something that we'll be adding. And then in terms of semantic merge, we have a lot of things to do because... Next thing we're going to release is uh, Visual Basic Support. Then we are going to Java. Next one is going to be C, and then C++. And, well, I think C++, is, we already started with that. It's going to be hard. But it's, it's also a very good point to actually test how, you know, very complex projects can adopt this new technology, right? So we have a lot of things to do on, on, on that area, too. And the Mac OS client that I already mentioned. Mac right, that's OS? Something that is yeah, the Mac OS. Yeah. We, we need to do it this year, and that's something that is on, on the top list, right? It's, it's, it's difficult. It's not really easy to finish uh, well, because, and
1: we needed to do it really, really strongly, right? So that's it. Sure. Well, Pablo, thanks for uh, spending this hour with us. It's been great. Well, thank you, right? Thank you, and I'm, I'm very happy to be here with you. Uh, we wish you lots of luck. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. <music> .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering,